Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. What we're going to do on today's show is Bax and I are going to run down some of the big topics on the front row message board. A lot of cool topics on the front row message board. Well, some of them aren't very cool. Uh, a lot of interesting topics on the front row message board, and we're going to talk about them. Let's start with assistant coaching salaries at Ohio State. The Buckeyes backs now have four coaches making four assistant coaches making over a million dollars. Kerry Combs making one point four million. Kevin, quote unquote Ron Wilson making one point two million. Larry Johnson making one point one three million and Greg Madison also making one point one three million. Doug Lamarice from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com wrote a very provocative piece saying he thinks these assistant coaching salaries are out of control because you know, outside of the scholarship benefits that the players get, the players are not getting paid. What are your thoughts, Bax? Are assistant coaching salaries out of control? No, Doug's flat out wrong. Let's be blunt here. Uh, Ohio State football prints money, and it shouldn't be an issue that they're paying their assistant coaches this much money because they have the means to do so. Uh, I'm also going to remind everybody, remember back during the Trestle era when the entire assistant coach pool was like $2 million, and we were complaining because we were going to lose people? Or we had coaches that nobody else wanted because they were just happy to collect a paycheck. It doesn't work like that anymore. And guess what? You don't like the system? Change it. Because right now, you can't give the money to the players like people say that we need to be able to do. Do you know how you get players to come here? You have the best damn coaches in the land, and you have the best damn coaches in the land develop the kids as best as possible. Look at the guys who are making this money, right? Wilson is a guy who's a former head coach who's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, right? And then you've also happened to get a guy in Madison who is uh, uh, the veteran of creating more good defenses than almost anybody still coaching in the country. you got Larry Johnson, who is without a shadow of a doubt the best defensive line coach in America. And then you got Kerry Combs, who just came back from the NFL and you had to double his money to get him to come here. It's not outrageous. These, this is what the going rate is to keep people. If you want the best people in your profession, you generally have to show out for them. So Ohio State paying their assistant coaches a lot of money is not a problem. In fact, it's a good thing because it means Ohio State is spending the money to win at football like we've been demanding with all the money that we as fans and alumni put into the game. So, yeah, this is good. This is what I want to see, frankly. Um, I hope that if OSU ever has a concern about losing an assistant, it's never for money. It's only for opportunity. And right now it certainly looks like it's only for opportunity based on what they're paying all of our coaches. Yeah, I agree with you. Where I come down on this is if Ohio State was lagging behind and we saw, man, Alabama and Clemson, 
They've got four guys on their you know, assistant coaches making over a million dollars. Why is Ohio State not doing that? That would be an entire show. We'd be talking that for an entire show. Like, why is Ohio State lagging so far behind? The fact that Ohio State is right there with Alabama and Clemson, and you know, I think Ohio State might be second or third. I don't think they're number one. I think Alabama's still number one, or Clemson might be number one. But I'd have to look into that. But Ohio State's in the top three with Alabama and Clemson. I think that's exactly where they need to be. It's just... Uh, the cost of doing business, so I agree with you on that. Uh, moving on, this is a very touchy subject, but let's talk about it. You know, with the COVID-19 virus, three people in Ohio have tested positive so far, and, you know, Ohio State has canceled in-person classes for the rest of the month. They're on spring break this week. The rationale is there, even though I've said I thought that was an overreaction. Just to play devil's advocate with my own logic, the logic there is that they're going to, you know, kids that are going to on spring break, you know, when they come back, they want to give people like a couple weeks to, you know, kind of, you know, stay away from people. But again, are people really going to quarantine themselves? I don't think so. And are people really going to go out and get tested if they're not feeling symptoms? I don't think so. But anyway, I want to talk about the spring game. Are we headed back for no fans at the spring game? Could we be headed for Ohio State canceling the spring game? We're just spitballing here. We don't know what's going to happen. Just what's your gut feeling based on everything that's happened so far with them canceling classes? You think we're going to have no fans at the spring game? No spring game at all? I have a bad feeling with the way things are going, that uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more things canceled and a significant disruption to our economy, uh, the way that Governor DeWine has been um, aggressive, I guess, would be the nicest word to use it. Uh, right now, there are three people in Northeast Ohio who have the coronavirus, all of whom who traveled to uh, some sort of out-of-state location interacted with some, I think one of two of them went to the Nile and another one was at like CPAC in, in Washington, D.C. Look, I understand the fears of this thing, but it, it seems to me to be a massive overreaction in a state of 12 million Ohioans that three people who are quarantined have a disease. Look, uh, you can cancel everything you want here. And if one person from New York City travels into Columbus for something, then you know, you're going to start seeing it spread. Um, I think the other thing is, is that people are, are people are acting like this is Ebola or something, where like you know you're having hemorrhagic fevers. Um, the general symptoms of this are a cough and a little bit of a fever, and it's like not something that most people like who are healthy or under 50 really have much concern from. It's a lot like pneumonia is for older folks, where you know, if people start getting pneumonia at age 80, you, you, you're really worried for their health because their immune systems are compromised. So I don't know if the right reaction is for us to close a school full of 18 to 30-year-olds, most of whom are they're going to be less affected by this statistically than, like, the flu. So it's, it's – it's, and the thing is, is that the Ohio sports uh, playoffs now for high school, they're only letting family members and, like – critical personnel attend, right? Um, they, they canceled the Arnold for people to be able to view. I'm not going to be surprised when they announced that all like local schools for just kids in general are closed for three weeks to try to stop this. The friends who work at Chase, and they've been practicing working from home um, this week in various shifts, or last week in various shifts, and then this week, supposedly the entire Chase headquarters near Polaris is going to go home to do a stress test on their network to see if they can have everybody work from home at the same time. Um, there's a lot of fear out there right now. And I, 
I, I do concern myself that fear is going to be um, more powerful than anything this is, this this virus could do. And, and what did Franklin Delano Roosevelt say? He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And I think that we need to start remembering that. End of the day, I I hope this doesn't cancel the spring game. Um, I, it's a big outdoor event. It's a, and, and, and end of the day, too, you have to wonder about economics here. Because, like, you don't, you don't take human life lightly. In fact, that, that's the opposite. We should care about human life. You know, something like the spring game where you're outdoors and hopefully it's 70 and we have a really good day for it, I'd, I'd hate to see it canceled over all this. But we're going to have to wait and see. I'm, I'll admit I'm not optimistic. Breaking out historical quotes on me. I love it. Speaking of history, let's talk about Michigan football, specifically the Ohio State-Michigan <laughs> rivalry. Mike Valenti, who does a great job, they need to put more of his stuff on YouTube. It's, it's always gold when they put his stuff on YouTube. They need to put his show on YouTube all the time. Um, does a great job, Detroit Radio. Detroit Radio. Mike Valenti, he's just always just cash money with his comments on Ohio State and Michigan. He's a Michigan State guy, uh, for those that don't know. But his latest was he thinks the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is not even a rivalry anymore. And he said only like, Buckeye fans and Wolverine fans think it's a rivalry. It's very regional. I mean, he's got a point. Ohio State's won. 18 in the last 20. They've won eight in a row. Now you have Joe Bolden, who was a captain for um, Harbaugh's first team at Michigan. It was 2015. I had to look it up. I forgot it was that recent that he was a captain at Michigan. He played at Michigan from 2012 to 2015. I will say one thing they did not bring up, though, on the Valenti show backs is that Bolden is like neighbors with Kerry Combs. He didn't play for Combs at Colerain, but Bolden went to Colerain. He was at Colerain when Kerry was at UC. So they know each other. So I think that's a, that's probably the biggest reason Joe Bolden's at Ohio State right now is the Kerry Combs relationship. But still, Greg Madison the year before that, Al Washington, who actually has more ties to Ohio State by far than he does to Michigan, of course. But still, my thing is, I don't think Ohio State fans should care. You know, if people outside of the rivalry don't think it's a great rivalry, great. I would take that a hundred times out of a hundred over. Michigan winning some games so people in California can think it's still the best rivalry in sports. But your take on Valenti saying it's no longer a rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan because the Buckeyes have dominated. Well, it's still a rivalry to me, damn it. Uh, end of the day, I, if they can't keep up, then, you know, tough cookies. Uh, Ohio State should literally step on them every opportunity they get. And by the way, they are one reasonable coach up there who can actually recruit Ohio again away from making this a rivalry. So, you know, it's like what's the old quote that, you know, uh, freedom is only guaranteed for the next generation or whatever like that. But the, as long as Harbaugh's there, I have a pretty good feeling Ohio State's going to trounce them on a consistent basis. If Ohio State is literally looking at maybe landing the top three kids in the state of Michigan, something's very, very wrong with their program. But uh, I, I, I don't remember. I know a lot of Buckeye fans remember the end of the Cooper era whenever the Michigan fans said their biggest rivalry was Notre Dame or Michigan State and it wasn't even Ohio State anymore. What right? are you talking about? I don't what, what's this what's this era you're talking about? The John Cooper era? I no, I don't think that ever happened. Go ahead. In the days of yore when men were men and battles raged across the land, there was a coach whose name was Coop and he could not win. He was a scoop. Yeah, there he is. I don't know. But the like end of the day because he was 210 and 1. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, whatever. Okay. He said, hey, Flashback. no Buckeye said yay, and every loss came their way. Yeah, so I, I'm, as, the, uh, as the younger generation here who got accepted to Ohio State in the fall of 2001, uh, who didn't live through the Cooper disaster here, um, I am the little definition of a spoiled Buckeye, right? So for all you people who are like, I sat through the 
the Cooper era, and you don't understand how hard that's it was me. to be a Buckeye yes. fan. That's yes. me. Yes. yes, I'm the one talking down. I'm not even that much older than you. That's me. I'm. I'm. Yes, that's me. You just described yep. me. Go ahead. Yep. So all you people, knowing full well that I'm spoiled Buckeye, pay attention to the fact that I'm not saying this is not a rivalry anymore. This is still a rivalry because the second they get a legitimate coach, you can recruit Ohio up there and start to erode into all of the benefits Ohio State has. This could be a rivalry again. Is it this year? Probably not. Will they be good this year? Eh. End of the day, they're not going to really beat Ohio State with Harbaugh there. We all get that. But what happens when Matt Campbell goes there? What happens if, God forbid, Luke Fickle goes there, right? The, those are the times that you actually talk about it being a major rivalry again. But right now, yeah, the guy in charge of that program, just he's gone autopilot. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had an 8-4 kind of year this year that ended with Ohio State trucking them, and he went back to the NFL. Hold on, I just, I just threw up a little bit. You said something about Luke Fickle at Michigan. I just, no, 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 no. All right, last topic on the show. I know you brought that up before. I, I just couldn't let that go. Kate Stover moving to tight end. I like this. I think he's going to stick there. He seems like that's a natural fit. He was kind of, they, they weren't sure. He played safety in high school. Imagine that. That's a pretty big safety. He's six foot four, 255 pounds. And he, I know he didn't weigh that much in high school, but still, we were debating, is he going to be a linebacker? Is he going to be a defensive end? Well, no and no. He's moved to tight end, and I think it's going to stick. I don't think he's going to play a ton this year because they're pretty veteran at tight end. Now, maybe he will play more than I think. Um, I don't think he's going to rot on the bench or anything like that, Bax, but I think in the future, Kate Stover could be a, a really good weapon at tight end. I know Buckeye fans are probably laughing, ha-ha, like we even use the tight end. But seriously, I think this guy could be a future NFL tight end. I think he's got that kind of athletic ability, and he seems to have taken the position very well. Just your thoughts on Kate Stover moving to tight end. Well, I think just based on sheer numbers, you had to do it this year. I mean, let's look at where uh, where the numbers game is right now. You got two seniors. You got a what is it, roughly a junior now. And then you've got uh, Cormonte Hamilton, who's really just not done anything yet. So that's your tight end depth chart. You need to get in a younger body in. Sam Hartle will arrive next year. You'll have hopefully one more year at Rucker if he doesn't have the year where we finally throw the tight ends and we have an early early departure tight end to the NFL. You know the. That we've been waiting for forever. Remember, it was going to be Jake Stoneburner, and then it was going to be – I don't even want to get into it. So, like, uh, I, I think there's a big difference between Ohio State using their tight ends and Ohio State sending tight ends to the NFL, though. Like, we've had NFL tight ends numerous times in the last 20 years. We just haven't really thrown them the ball much since Ben Hartsock. So, uh, I think this is a smart move because if you look at the depth chart, you're going to need more than, the, I don't know, one functional tight end body – right now on the roster and i guess for stover the 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 pathway to the field is much shorter at tight end right like you've probably got three guys ahead of him right now in farrell houseman and ruckert right and ruckert splits out a little bit more than the others because of his skill set but you know was he going to get on the field at defensive end this year almost certainly not was he getting on the field at linebacker this year almost certainly not you know next year he could be the number two guy, the number one guy at tight end, depending on how the year goes. So I think the pitch of him moving was probably just that. Look, we think you can develop really well in this role. And by the way, you'd probably be on the field a year or two sooner than you would be otherwise. Why wouldn't he jump at it, you know? So I think it's a smart move, uh, both from a depth chart perspective and from a from an individual perspective for Cade Stover. And 
lest we poo-poo the depth chart perspective, I could bring up our running back situation to those of you who would probably kill for another running back on the depth chart right now if you're anything like me. So this is this is a move that maybe was a little surprising, but in the end of the day, it's probably the most prudent move and it's probably what's best for the kid right now. Great stuff, as always, from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. I appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax, and thank you to the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.